0: Everybody, have lesson three. Is
1: it lesson three?
0: Lesson three, accepting adversity and tragedy. That's three.
1: That's three. Kyle.
0: Kyle doesn't have one. There you go. Anybody else? Did I get an echo on the. On the speaker, sound like a echo. Echo. Anybody else back here? Need number three. You got it. Summertime, last Sunday of June. You got anything you want to talk about today? Because everybody's gone. Well, you're here. That's right. The first three lessons of this series really introduction in preparation, actually, for Lesson 4 and the rest of the lessons. And uh, first paragraph here on Lesson 3 is really a review of the first two. It says, in the previous lessons, we've established the need for dependence on revelation from God to give us in, true insight, insight into his character and his plan. So the force, uh, I guess you could say, the bottom line to these first three lessons, and uh, this was talking about the the first two, is is that we've got to have a foundation in understanding God's uh, uh, word. Uh, And before we can tackle the questions that are going to come up, and all the questions, all the lessons, rather, in the first lesson on the second page are all listed. That's that's the preview all the lessons and so really lesson three is is a continuation it says in in a moment of crisis all too often we lean on our emotions to form our opinions about the goodness of God this explains why it is so important to go to God's revelation in times when we are not tested to establish as deeply as possible the true picture of God and his abiding care for us in our discussion last week, of course, I think it was to me anyway that we, there are a lot of things that we're not going to understand. But we need to understand everything that we can and continue to study and learn, of course, so that we'll have this foundation that whenever there's adversity and tragedy, uh, we'll not do a sum, as kind of alluded to here, will uh, depend on their emotions rather than on their knowledge of what God's Word says. So uh, that's what for lesson two and three particularly is to see what uh, we can understand or see what we should understand uh, before we look at tragedies and adversities. So this lesson really is, is uh, looking at what we have in Christ and uh, constant concerns and spiritual blessings uh, are the three sections, I guess you could say, or there four. Uh, uh, constant concern, spiritual blood, or oh, it says eternal life on page seven. Uh, some of these things are, are necessary for us to get an insight into his character and his plans. Will we ever completely understand God's insights? What did Isaiah say? say? His thoughts are not your thoughts. His thoughts are higher than ours. That, that, in a way, kind of sounds discouraging, but that's not what it's meant to be. It's meant to understand that God is God, is God and so much more, uh, what's the word? Knowledgeable is not the word. I mean, he's, he is all-knowing all uh, than what uh, sometimes we can comprehend or do comprehend. But we need to comprehend every, these lessons, two and three, need to comprehend everything that we can and continue to understand his character uh, to go through some tra- adversities and tragedies. Any thoughts that we left undone last week uh, or any in, in this lesson that uh, And you're having had it a week or two to bring up that you'd like to question or talk about. The first one is the gift of Christ. If we ever come to fully appreciate what God did in sending his son to, to die for us, we'll never question God's love for us. Tell me, what that, tell me why, or tell me first, is that a true statement? And tell me why it's true if it is true. Read it again. If we ever come to fully appreciate what God did in the sending of his son to die for us, we'll never question God's love for us. Do people question, do people question God's love? Go ahead, uh, Paul, before I... There's
1: no greater love than being willing to die for
0: something. Okay. So Paul is uh, kind of paraphrasing the passage. no greater love has any man except the person die for that, for for someone. And God's love was shown, no greater love than can be had in God's love. God's love is shown by giving of his son uh, to die for us. Why don't people... You know, I don't know how I'm trying to ask that question. Why don't people then look to God? If that's kind of God we have, if He would uh, He would uh, be willing to give His Son to die. His only begotten Son is uh, expressing this view sometimes in Scripture. Why do Why do then do people not fully fully appreciate? That love. I think that's what I'm trying to ask. Most? Yeah, so in a, in a, in a situation where, uh, and all of us are, have been affected to one degree or another by adversities and tragedies and so on, and, uh, but it, sometimes when, when people are uh, affected by them, and in the second lesson they gave the illustration of the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, they begin to question. Go ahead, Ted. come back to that. Go ahead.
2: Um, if you look at the biology of our bodies, when emotions are high, cognitive thought is low. So like like you're, like if my son were to die, like I would be emotional and I might, you know, my cognitive thought's not there, I'm just hundred percent emotions. So then in, in that emotional rage that emotional frustration or sadness I might say I things that are not that should
0: not be done. Yeah I'm ready to blame t- the wrong people I might, you know, yeah We talked some about emotions in lesson number two, and uh, did we say then that emotions were not good?
1: They have their place.
0: They have their place? Are they good? Mm-hmm. They can be. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they can be bad too, huh? Just as says so. what you do with them where they're directed, and whether or not the emotion over, it, it overrides, uh, what's the word, override your,
1: uh-huh.
0: what, uh-huh. depending on whether or not you let your emotions override your uh, intellectual understanding of God's love, uh-huh. that work? Uh, yeah, ted Tedska got a good question. If if you don't believe in God, how'd you put that? Why were they blaming on him? <laughs> <laughs> got to blame somebody. <laughs> And that's, that's what this uh, first uh, sentence here under the gift of Christ is, is uh, indicating that uh, if they believe in God and they understand that He did something for us that no, no person has ever done. I, I know p- people have died for other people, but I mean, in, this, in the same way that God gave Jesus to us His uh, uh, sending His Son to die for us, an innocent person, Uh, People don't understand that. Joyce? What's the basis of faith? Oh, the of not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. But I said, what's the basis of faith? Hearing?
1: hearing?
0: Yeah, faith come by hearing. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's what I was going to get at. Hearing what? Yeah. So, as, as Susan was pointing out, people don't know. Don't, uh, don't hear God's word, don't know it, they're not going to have the faith to, under, uh, to uh, withstand some of these tragedies and adversities that uh, we will be talking about and so on. He says there's so many passages that could be examined in this light, but we'll look onto only a few, and, and there are four. Uh, the first one is the degree to which we deserved Christ's sacrifice, Got your Bibles open to Romans 6? Romans I'm sorry, 5, the v- verse 6 is the verse. we are probably familiar with that, but let's go ahead and get it in our minds again. I'm not using the Bible I'm used to. Romans 5, verse 6, right in the middle there. For while we were still weak, At the, right, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die, even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. talking to those
3: atheists?
0: He's talking to Roman Christians, and so he's reminding them that uh, the degree to which this outline says we deserve Christ's sacrifice. What three words were we used to describe us? While we were yet sinners. sinners. Is that in verse 6? Weak Okay, ungodly. So this what this version says. Oh. Verse 8 says sinners, okay. while uh, we yet sinners? And there's a third one. Is that in verse 10? Yeah. Well, we were enemies. So we were sinners, we were ungodly, uh, we were enemies. What's Paul saying, maybe not that it never happened, but that is something that when you're an enemy, a sinner, a, a, a one who is completely gone against another person, they're not likely to die for you, right? That's Paul's argument here. And yet that's what God did for us. We were all of those things, and he sent his son to die. A third point, how does this action of God compare to what might be expected in our actions toward one another? That's my question. That's what I was just illustrating, I guess you could say. You've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years. Did you ever, was there ever a time those first 10 years 20 or 30 or even now that you understood completely and without one doubt in your mind or not not a doubt have you, do you do we really still comprehend com- comprehend completely the thing that god did in sending his son we, we understand that he did it but the magnitude of it, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Are you, are, are you going to learn more? Are you going to appreciate more in the next 10 years that you're a Christian than you did those first 10 years? Mo?
3: We ask are we willing to die for Christ?
0: In other words, those first century Christians understood what God did for them and they were willing to die for Christ. This is kind of summing up what you're saying, kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. I think, I think uh, those who have been Christians for a number of years, uh, I don't know how I'm trying to say this, that uh, we, w- we would hope that we would be the first century Christians that he's talking about, but when he gets down to it, do we uh, uh, comprehend enough about what God did for us that we'll do what those first century Christians did? Uh, Mm-hmm. Right, that's the point. If you're just mouthing, mouthing your Christianity, so to speak, uh, rather than, as Maybeth put it, giving our life to Christ daily, then there's going to be a difference in how we're going to face the adversities and tragedies that might come our way. So the first point here in this lesson is, the gift of Christ is, is uh, the way that we understand, uh, that we will be able to uh, accept tra- uh, adversity and tragedy. And the first one is that he, he died for us. And then the second one is the, the degree to which we needed Christ's sacrifice. Do we understand, does, uh, did we understand when we became Christians that we, that we needed that sacrifice, that uh, uh, do people comprehend, and, and, and people of the world don't, they don't comprehend that they, they, they are uh, in a sinful situation which separates them from God, or they would start looking to how to, to remedy it. But, uh, so... And that's what this second uh, thing is about. The wages of sin is death, uh, and when we grasp grasp what our situation here on earth is like when we're separated from God by sin, then then we're going to look for the remedy, so to speak. Any other thoughts on number two, Brian?
1: We need to understand the very dire situation. Yeah. If a bunch of firefighters came. Everybody get out. Get out to the street. We all get out there and
0: Good illustration, Uh, Ted. Yeah, I think I've heard that.
1: Uh, but That's just a, just shows you a sample that some of those people were willing to die,
0: not knowing what this guy was actually going to do. Might do. Right. Are we familiar enough with these passages here in Romans and Ephesians? The description given us of condition without Christ what those passages are about. So, two things. Uh, All of these are, except for the fourth one, are are the degrees to which. The degree to which Christ went, God went, to give his son. We need to grasp that. And then the degree to which we needed that sacrifice, the condition we're in, if if we uh, uh, realize it, and then the third one is the degree of Christ's suffering. I, I can't comprehend sometimes. I don't know how many times we might read it. The, the, the suffering in the garden there. And, and I know we don't need to go over it and over it and over it, but uh, we, we, we picture in our minds how Jesus suffered even before he was taken away from the garden where he's praying and uh, then the suffering that he went through when he was flogged beaten and then when he was had nails driven through his hands and his feet uh, I don't know where everybody does but sometimes I struggle with you know getting that putting myself in his place, so to speak, to feel what he felt is difficult, isn't it? So the degree to which he, uh, the degree to which we deserve Christ's sacrifice, number one, number two, to which we needed to sacrifice, and number three, the degree of, of Christ's suffering. If someone suffers for you, I mean, it really go, and, and a lot of uh, uh, different ways of suffering, Your parents suffered, if you're as old as I am, your parents suffered through the Great Depression. Did we appreciate that suffering that they went through in order to keep the family together, etc.? Now, it's not anything like the suffering of Christ. I'm not trying to say that they suffered like Christ did, but uh, people have suffered for others and. Do we appreciate it? Do we understand it, et cetera? Page four, I mean seven, number four. Is there something else that the atonement of Christ accomplishes? This is from Hebrews two and Hebrews four. Somebody summarize or shall we read those? There are added be- abiding benefits to being in Christ. What is, fores what uh, can you summarize the, those two two passages in hebrews So, okay, so Christ suffered and the abiding benefit of that suffering is that he knows what we go through. Is that summarizing that passage? We have not a high priest who cannot understand our suffering. Uh, he, he went through it. Is that the fourth, the fourth chapter? Yes. Okay. Okay. So we, we don't have a, a, a person who gave himself for us that didn't understand or doesn't understand what our suffering is like. That's the abiding benefits, I guess, is what this person who wrote this is talking about. So when we understand the, the love of God for us, when we understand the, the uh, sacrifice of Christ was needed because we're sinners, and the degree of the suffering that this Savior went through, and the fact that even now we still have the benefit of Him, then that helps sustain us. Is this the conclusion of this lesson, this part of the lesson? That helps sustain us when we have adversity or tragedy in our life. We don't just go on emotion. We go on the knowledge of what God has done for us. Would that be summing up the first part of this lesson? Any other thoughts or comments? right and when we're sometimes we're in a situation well, why I've heard people ask well, why did God put me in this situation uh, and that's kind of what our discussion was about last week that did God do it but anyway when we're in that situation and we think well why did God do this to me we forget we forget what he's done for us we forget the love that he had for us and and that's uh, that's what Joyce I think is saying is we need to remember his grace and his mercy every day and th- even though those questions may arise, it's not going to shake our faith.
1: And, and we are his vessels. He works through us. He works through us. We're his vessels. And we better be willing and ready to stand up every day to be that vessel,
3: however he chooses.
0: So you're saying, if I heard all you said, that you're saying that he also works through us and helping other people. That's right. And so, yeah. That's... Uh, That's what the family of God is about, not not only period, but that that, uh, we have the the example of Christ and the the gift of God through Christ, but we also have uh, uh, others who are in Christ to hold our hand, so to speak, lift us up. But sometimes, go ahead. In this next section here, if I can get the FirePoint come up here, we have uh, God's constant concern is what is talked about here on page seven. Constant concern, beginning to the end, the Bible describes God who cares for His people. Please take time to read through the following passages. When finished, consider the total weight of these scriptures and the fact that they are but a small sample of a small sample of some similar verses throughout the Bible. Let's see what we have here. We're just going to read through these like this says. They're up here on the chart. The slide. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That's God talking to those people through Isaiah, but here, cast your burden on the Lord, he will sustain you, he will never... Pr- Permit the righteous to be moved, Psalms 55:22. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. So somebody mentioned reading Psalms a while ago. Is was that, was that the previous one? Was Psalm, oh no, that's Isaiah 41, Psalms 55, Psalms 138. On the day that I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. Matthew 11, verse 28, I think we take this passage out of context, but I'll go ahead and come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. 1 Timothy 6, 17, for as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be ugly, haughty, <laughs> left off the, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I guess if they're haughty, they're ugly, but uh, not physically speaking necessarily. And then Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Uh, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Again, the context there, those Hebrew Christians were going to go through suffering, but the principle is there for us to learn as well. James 1, 16 17, Don't be conceived, my beloved brethren, every good and perfe- uh, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or no shadow due to change. So, a few passages of Scripture. Um there are more, but uh, some of them are, are directed to the people of that day, but if they're directed to Christians of that day, there's, there's a, a lesson to be learned for us uh, as well today. Now, what did it say to do when, you, when we read all of those? Finish the total weight of the Scriptures and the fact that they are but small sampling of the verses throughout the Bible. But it said, read and take time to read through the passage. Uh, okay. And then spiritual blessings. We're going to finish this today. By the way, you got number four ready, Don Brian? Yep. We'll hand it out a little bit. Uh, in spiritual blessings. We will note below the subsequent lessons. Uh, the world that really matters is not physical one that we can touch and feel, but a spiritual realm we understand by faith. Second Corinthians four. And five, God is a God who has given us everything we need spiritually. And so we have all spiritual blessings. We may not have all physical blessings, but all spiritual blessings are in Christ. And that's where we uh, need to emphasize, uh, have emphasized in our minds when tragedy or or adversity comes. And and, uh, again, it's a mental thing that you don't let your emotions take over. Even though your emotions may be involved, and that's good or bad, I mean, depending on how you use it, it's already been stated. In the next few minutes, I'm not going to look at the passages there, because I think I think there are two other passages that. Uh, um, Sometimes I think, in the years that I've seen different places, different people, different places, they don't—we don't grasp what we have now. Uh, what does John ten verse ten say? Something about abundant life. Somebody turn there and read that.
2: John ten ten.
0: Yes. John, uh, uh, is it talking about there that Jesus is a shepherd in John 10? Yes. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Turn to 1 John, the f- let's see, 1 John 5. While you're turning there, ask the question about John 10. Did Jesus say you can have an abundant life next, uh, next year? Or in eternity, when can they when can they have that abundant life? And the question I'm getting to is, us: can we have the abundant life that Jesus is talking about now, or after after we die? No. No. First John, the fifth chapter. Let's see did I have that right down there, right one, 13. Yeah, I've got the right passage. Now, I, I know we're in the middle of a context here and he's talking about bearing the spirit bearing truth of the water, et cetera, et cetera. And the witness is this, 1 John 5, verse 11, that God gave unto us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He that hath a Son hath the life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. These things I've written unto you, that you may know that you have eternal life, even unto you that believe on the name of the, Lord, uh, of the Son of God. And this is the boldness that we have, well, and so forth. John's talking to people. And what did he say that they had? Eternal life. After they die? When did he say that they had it? Pardon me? Right then? I brought, these, I brought this up because I think that sometimes we think, and this is what I was getting at, that, well, you know, we don't have a lot here except that we, we need to be righteous and so on. But that life after a while, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing heaven or anything like that, but that life after a while, and, and uh, Brian preached some lessons on Joshua in the glory days. You've got eternal life right now. Does that mean everlasting, that you'll never die? No, that's not what this word means here. And that's not what he's saying. But in Christ, we have, and that's what John is saying, we have eternal life now. And what I'm getting at is, is that if that is our viewpoint, along with these other points of this lesson, then we can understand we have a whole lot to live for and not be drawn away by the tragedies and the adversities that we might face. One, one other point, and then we need to hand out lesson four. Go ahead. in his son his life now. is in his are you in his son yes then you have eternal life now i'll let you thought let you cogitate on that and see what what you understand about that passage and uh, brian of the uh, lesson fours back here i think i saw yeah, they are. you'd be thinking of the last comment As I said, lesson one, two, three, are uh, preparatory for the large-scale tragedies. Basic consideration. That's going to be lesson four. And okay, uh, there you go. And, uh, death. and Then I'll give it to you and pass it around. And yeah, go ahead. I think I've got two there. I think we have three there. I've got two there probably, four there. I don't know how many I've got there. Oh, I can't get them separated. you. There you go. Did I miss anybody else over here? Okay. Did lesson four get back over here? Okay. All right. Hi there. Didn't know you had another one here. <laughs> hey.